0: Good evening, everyone. I'm Ian James Wright from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to the Alphabetical Fugazi, the only podcast that devotes an episode each to discussing every song in the band's catalog from Fugazi to Fugazi. Joining me today to discuss the word, a very early Fugazi song, uh, a couple studio recordings of which have trickled out over the years, is private citizen Leon Pierce from Massachusetts. Leon, how are you doing? Hello, Ian. Uh, well, relatively, uh, relatively good. <laughs> Excited to, uh, you know, lo- first time caller, long time listener. Got it. As as for me, I'm not doing so hot. I'm just gonna come right out and say it. I'm sick, and uh, uh, I've got the the nose stuff, the sore throat, the low grade fever. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I decided, what would Ian Mackay do? And of course, the answer is have a cup of tea. So. <laughs> Yeah, no. I think you would have. Uh, I think
1: you would have powered through.
0: Yeah. So I'm, I'm just yeah plowing on. If I do something like uh, blow my nose or cough uh, while you're talking, I'll edit that out. So don't <laughs> don't get taken off your game. Uh, it's fine. No. So little Fugazi memory. I just came across. I was checking the alphabetical Fugazi Facebook group, and I also looked up my memories. And apparently, ten years ago, I posted the following. Anybody want to be my concert buddy for Joel Alley tonight? question mark and nobody replied so i assume on that night i went to see joe uh do a solo set at the black cat main stage all by myself
1: joe Ali's got short shrift uh, 10 years ago oh, for you know, sure. i would have thought that there at least would have been somebody to be
0: like yeah of course why would i not well you'd be surprised i i think i mentioned on the podcast before how nobody took me up on going to the pogues either i, I apparently have no friends who actually enjoy the pogues which shocked me at the time i did not realize that so right you know I, like
1: I, that's one of those things that it's like even i'm not a particularly huge pokes fan but i would go sheerly for the experience <laughs> oh yeah great experience you know like i mean that's like yeah i mean talking about uh live bands you know like that's something else that just be like you never know what you're gonna get
0: yeah um but enough about my experience Leon Pierce, uh, first of all, I got to say out of all the guests I've ever had on the show, yours is the action movie starist name of them all. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, uh, tip yeah, of hat. it uh thank you. Yeah, it's it's not a not a common one anymore. But uh yeah, what I was going to ask is how would you first get into Fugazi? Tell me about your life as a fan.
1: Uh yeah, it, it it's funny because there was um there was a brief uh, moment like it, it i'm i 'm i think just slightly older than you. I just turned forty two so you know at the time when I was kind of getting into to music and would have been like you know the the very early nineties um you know that that first kind of like the year punk broke uh I was aware of Fugazi that was kind of there in the ether. Um, you know, I would see in uh, magazines and stuff, the the bootleg, this is not a Fugazi t-shirt. I once went on a, like a snowboarding trip and, and saw a, this is not a Fugazi snowboard uh, <laughs> in one of the shops, which was like, what? Um, before I understood anything about the band or their politics, I was just, was just like, like they make snowboards? <laughs> uh, so like, I would think it was a, uh, I would have been in like eighth grade and a friend of mine who was a little bit older had picked up the seven songs cassette. Um, and he put that on. And I remember like waiting room, like right away, totally got it. And then everything else was just kind of like, it was just there um, waiting for the tape to like play through and they get back to waiting room on because the uh, everything was on one side. So both sides just repeated. Uh, and that was kind of my first exposure to them, but it was, like quickly forgotten. You know, it was like I was kind of like just a like a dumb suburban metalhead at the time. Um uh, and it took uh like another year or so to to start to like branch out into to other music. And um uh I I had then kind of came back around to them through other DC bands. Um oddly enough, the bands that had left Discord, uh, or had never been on Discord, but had, like, moved out, you know, in the area, but, uh, so it was, like, I'm some huge by the end of my high school run, a huge fan of, of Jawbox still like a band that, right. uh, at least so far I was, I was like, you know, I, I don't hear too many people, uh, to, so far on any of the episodes, like, uh, making too much of a mention of them. But I, I, for me, it was always kind of like the, kind of the twin pillars, right? You know, in terms of guitar bands from DC, like you had your Fugazi and then you had like your Jawbox as these, these, you know, these duos that were doing these, like these things that were just blowing my young mind. Um, and, uh, and then the, the incredible Shudder to Think, you know, Pony Express record came out and I was just like, I, I just need to own this record. Like, there's just that, like, there's just something about this that like, is so compelling. Um, and so like, you know, I was playing, uh, in bands <clears throat> and then sort of really getting serious, like right after I graduated high school and, and, um, was playing in like a loud, you know, at the time power trio of like discordant, but kind of melodic, you know, anthemic like rock music just this the stuff that i was influenced by um and then that was a period of time where people were like hey like you kind of sound like fugazi and so we were like okay yeah like my friend of mine the bass player was like yeah so he he gave me uh in on the kill taker and it was just so funny like i remember taking it home putting it on facet square uh starts and i'm like okay yeah all right all right once ian's vocals kicked in which is like If you hadn't listened to Fugazi uh, in quite some time and you're going to put a song on that song in particular, I mean, Ian's voice is just shredded in that song. Um, And I I, I stopped it and I took the CD out and I was just like, (laughs) I was like, I'm going to... but red medicine like once i heard red medicine everything just like clicked everything fell into place and i was like oh okay now i get it um and once that happened then it was it wasn't long to basically just be like okay yeah no all the rest of this up to that point makes sense because i think at that point like end hits had uh, had come out um and that was actually the first time i got to i got a chance before they they broke up uh i saw them five times from 90 from 99 to like the end uh so i uh, managed them to get like nice a, yeah packed them in there i had some friends that were like real road warriors who would be like i mean we twice one time drove from massachusetts to dc um in my friend's van uh which was a conversion van so it was actually quite comfortable to like to travel in we toured in it uh once and so it was it was it was nice uh, and then we went to pittsburgh one time uh and saw them Uh, as well and then I got to see them just more locally like in this area but the first time I got to see them and I think in my initial email I had said uh, to you that like I drove down with my brother to go see them at Fort Reno in the summer of 99 and that was when there was a thunderstorm uh, and they played for like half an hour but it was Like incredible that here is this band like giving it their all with lightning flashing in the background. I mean, like you could see the water like bouncing off of uh, Ian's head, and they. I mean, they 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 tried for as long as they could, and I was just like, that's a formative uh, experience to be like, okay, what other band? would would do that what other band kind of like loves the act of like of playing music and the kind of like you know highfalutin term i guess of a a communion right and that that kind of like that that punk rock uh like communion more that would be like oh yeah no like this is this is actually maybe potentially dangerous (laughs) uh (laughs) yeah but we're still gonna we're gonna do it like as as uh as much as we can you know so that was like I was like, yeah, no, that that's that's how we should conduct ourselves. <laughs> like, that's kind of
0: yeah. I was I was at that show, and it was simultaneously disappointing that they had to cut things short, but also really awesome. It's not right. it's not the kind of thing you see every day from one of your favorite bands. No,
1: uh, I mean I live in Massachusetts. Like, I'm not used to the heat you know, south of the Mason Dixon, uh and the humidity. So we just sat like under a tree. I think we maybe like went and got some food or something, but it was just brutally oppressive to just like <laughs> hang around like Fort Reno until they played. Uh yeah, it was it was like <sighs> and every time I've been back to, to DC since, there's just like in the summertime, um, there've been points where I'm just like, God, I love this city, but I don't think I could actually like make it through a summer it's down r- there.
0: <laughs> it's rough for sure. Yeah, and I imagine also the, the thing about the first time you go to any Fort Reno concert that Fugazi's playing, it was like, you didn't know what to expect, really. Like, I don't know if I expected some kind of little amphitheater built into a hillside or something like that, but no, it's literally, you get up to, to it, and it's this little square of wood for a stage mm-hmm. next to a street light, and that was the stage lighting, and it's like, what? They're playing here? Yeah. And it was mm-hmm. amazing.
1: Yeah, it was, it was the thing that I remember at least the first time being really, really excited about, because it was also the first time that I'd ever been that far south, you know, so it was like, wow, like, not only am I, like, going down to, to see Fugazi, like, I'm just actually getting out of, like, you know, kind of the, the greater northeastern area, uh, yeah, so, like, I, you know, it, it was a situation that, uh, you know, I mean, just, like, pretty much everybody, uh, you know so far that uh you know that i've i've listened to um you know that that just it was just a total experience you know as a band um like incredibly influential um if not directly more so like adopting a lot of the the um the mindset and the stances you know like like they posed a lot of questions that I felt like you could you know it was up to you to answer for yourself you know yeah. um it, w- it was just a situation of like well you know okay well if you're you're you know you've given a choice how are you going to conduct yourself uh you know I, I and and i like definitely uh still to this day you know believe that it's like you know it's a situation like you've got to play all ages shows uh, how how uh whether it's behind the 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 political side of it with uh, you know, I know Ian MacKay has talked about the relationship between like clubs and alcohol, which is, you know, again, one of those things that kind of, you know, you kind of raise an eyebrow about, or if it's also, um, I remember playing with a band once. Um, and they were like, nah, I love playing like, like age restricted shows. Like you don't have these, like these little kids, like older people get our music. And I was like, so then you're like, you're kind of consigning people under a certain age to like only the things that like they're available to see they're able to see live yeah you know and it's like uh, personally i uh, you know when i was underage there were times where i wanted to go see lots of like what would have been really amazing concerts uh at that like nowadays would be unbelievable you know like getting to see like radiohead touring the Benz in like you know, a small club in 1995, but I was 15. There was no way I was getting into that show. (laughs) Like it just wasn't happening. Um, you know, so like that kind of thing of, of that exclusionary aspect of it, but also just how like bands should conduct themselves, you know, um, just ethically, uh, you know, the, the whole there's, I think there's so much of, um, you know, like so much of that side of it, at least in, you know, my experience, um, that was either directly or indirectly kind of born out of a lot of the things that they put out um in the early days uh you know, and they're like the 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 stance of like you know i mean something as as uh you know at the time as radical as suggestion uh you know that that's going to have quite an effect on on people of, of just being like okay yeah like this behavior is is not acceptable you know you're going to shows and like you're going to shows and you want to be safe and you want to be respectful of people as opposed to like you know uh like the, the the hardcore aspect of like kind of well hey listen you know like if you want to go up front and you see a band well yeah you take your chances you might be getting an elbow in the face right um or worse uh yeah just just a lot of things to the point of um you know i mean we just always like the bands that i were in we just really tried to think about uh those aspects of like merchandise like i think only the only like the first band that i was in we ever made t-shirts and it was like one run that like we hand silk screened and dyed and like kind of did it all ourselves but after that it was like i don't i don't I don't want to do that. You know, I kind of like eventually presented it to other bandmates as being like, I don't know. Like, I mean, and maybe this is pretentious, but I was like, if you went to go see like John Coltrane or Miles Davis or like some, like, you know, some jazz, great, um, would you go and then buy a t-shirt afterwards? I was like, no, <laughs> like you had the experience and like, that's like, that's, that's, that's it. Like, that's what you had. Then you don't necessarily need anything beyond like the music. Um, so I, yeah, like never wanted to ever do any of that afterwards. And, um, you know, just, just a lot of those little things that like that, you know, kind of the meta, like of being in a band right. that I think a lot of us just kind of like, you just kind of gloss over I, uh, through, through like kind of the lens of, of Fugazi, there was always that thing of like, well, you know, like, not necessarily what would they do, but like, let me stop and consider like these things and like, is this how I want? Is this like how I want to conduct myself as as being in a band? Um, I mean, and there were there were a couple of times it felt really pa- uh, empowering to be like, I think we were on tour. Uh, one of the bands that I was in, we were on tour, and we were in like North Carolina and the show. Something happened and the show wasn't happening. Somebody screwed up, but they were like, oh, but it's cool. Like, there's a bar, um, like across the street, and like, you guys can go and play that. And like, it wasn't all ages. So we just hopped in the van and like drove up to DC, uh, and like just crashed. We were like, now we're good. Like, we're, we're, we just took off. We're like, we're not gonna go play like, and like, at some like bar show when like it, it's more important to like stick to our guns, you know?
0: No, totally. You're right. It's half of the battle is simply asking the question that other people aren't asking. And then, you know, whatever your conclusion right. is, at least you've thought about that.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's all ultimately like, you know, I mean, it, it is it never I never understood how um, we had like, you know, this this kind of indie punk DIY, you know, it has different uh like labels over the years, but essentially this this separate like system. Um, but oddly enough, we kind of kept looking to like the the money making operation as our uh, like blueprint. And it was just like, wait, what, you know, I mean, it, it it got worse over the years uh, with, you know, uh, bands suddenly feeling like they needed managers or like PR people or like booking agents and all of these things. And it's like, this all just seems so predatory. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, like there there's a whole like class of people that exist to like extract money from bands who like are uh, frankly in you know the you know the the modern world it's a lot for people to to do to like kind of run your own band um so i can understand on the one hand where it's like hey we just want to play the music but it's also kind of like again for me just as it, it was like no like none of this stuff like i find all of it to be very distasteful um and if that ultimately means that like we don't get the kind of like quote unquote success as some of our, our peers or anything like that, then that's like, that's okay.
0: Yeah. I think that's a really healthy mindset that not a lot of people would, uh, would take. And I, I can't help but feel that it's been influenced by the, you know, sort of the themes you've heard in their music. And, um, I guess I'll segue because some of those themes do seem to come up in the song we're talking about today. Yeah, uh, and I guess we'll dive into that. So the song is The Word. It's a very early Fugazi song. They played it at their first show ever uh, on September 3rd, 1987. And uh, they last played it uh, a little over a year later in Torino, Italy. Um, so <clears throat> that in that timeline, they did play it often at those early shows. But um yeah the chronology that i see is there there are really two recordings that you could listen to two non live recordings and the first one uh well i guess i'll talk about it chronologically in terms of Fugazi like the first time they recorded it was january 1988 and that was re- eventually released on their first demo uh in uh 2014 and then they recorded it at the very end of that year, in December 1988. You know, shortly after they played, uh, th- they played it live the last time with John Loader at the Margin Walker Sessions, uh, and that was released uh, eventually in 2002 on the 20 Years of Discord box set. So, yeah, th- that's sort of it. They 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 debuted it live 87, recorded it once January 88. Recorded it, played it last November uh, 88, recorded it one more time December 88, and then never released it on a record or played it again. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's actually pretty fascinating. Um, you know, when it first came up, it, you know, it's one of those things that initially uh, it was kind of like, oh, like this, like this kind of cast off, but it, it, it's actually, the more I kind of dug into it, the more I was like, this is, this is. I think any one of these songs is, um, like, interesting in its its own way. You know, furniture is, like, pretty fascinating because it, it was dead for so long and then kind of, like, roared back to life, like, in this big way. Um, and even stuff like, you know, uh, In Defense of Humans or, or um, you know, Turn Off Your Guns, like, these are things that at some point, you know, like, were clearly, like, important to the band but then kind of fell by the wayside. But I, I kind of did some of my own uh, digging uh, Cause I was, I was curious as I was looking like, yeah, they played it for about a year, but like at a lot of the shows, or at least the shows that, that had set lists, like it was oftentimes like they closed sets with it. Right. Um, or for a while uh, they were doing the word and then going into glue man. Um, and for a while it seemed like that was kind of like their, their like, tour uh like closing like duo or they come out they do it as an encore so it's like you know even though they never used this set list like there's still some conscious decision in terms of time and in terms of kind of like energy uh so like it it kind of continued to have a place of like clearly importance you know in their first few shows they're going like okay like let this is this is our closer um they're not going to just like be like, well, yeah, at, we just, I don't know. We ran out of time and we're just picking a song, you know, like there, there, there is going to be some like deliberate choice there. So it's it's like, wow, like what about it? How did it go from like seemingly having this kind of like this impact, you know, and having some value to then being like, yeah, nobody's going to hear this song for like 20 years.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely true. And I think it's so valuable to have that first demo as a document because you can compare how the song evolved both on record mm. and sort of like in their minds over the course of one single year and yes yeah i i would recommend for our listeners to listen to both of those uh if you can it's uh i i mean i i must say too i myself had really only heard the song a handful of times before starting this podcast and I sort of consciously made the decision to avoid it so I had sort of come to it fresh Um, of course Mm -hmm. I had heard the first demo recording and I had the the early live show recordings that I had listened to I heard it there but it's not one that I went back and sought out a lot so it's still a relatively fresh song to me and it's it it was interesting to listen to with uh, sort of fresh ears and see what I could glean
1: yeah, likewise, it was just something that was pretty low on my my radar. You know, it's like you give it a listen and, and it's kind of like, okay, yeah, that's like early Fugazi. Um, but there's some some interesting uh, structural things uh, that I guess kind of maybe point the way forward a little bit. It's a little more adventurous, perhaps, than, um, than some of the other stuff uh, well, that... Well, dive into it,
0: man. What's the first thing you want to talk about? What's the first elements that we should tackle?
1: Well, you know, I mean, in comparison, uh, I have to make this, I have to guess that it being played at their first show means that it's, you know, something that that Ian likely wrote, you know, like that 86, 87 Revolution Summer, you know, before Fugazi even really started, he was already, you know, he had these songs that he'd, he'd been working on, um, so within that kind of first batch. Uh and as a result, like I mean it's like feel-wise, at least in the beginning, it is it's a lot more um straightforward uh than some other stuff. Um, although it still manages to still kind of have this like s- like kind of slightly regified feel with that, you know, dun 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 you know, like it's got that bounce to it, even if like Brendan's just playing this very straight, you know, just snare hits on the one, you know, in between. Um, so like it, it's of a piece, uh, and yeah, like I mean, at least if you're looking at kind of that the first section, um, it's it's you know, it, I mean, it, it it's not terribly remarkable, um, you know. I I I think what on the demo it's a little noisier there's a little more in the in the gaps um with ian doing you know different like uh making different noises uh, you know pick scrapes and some kind of other like ancillary stuff um but uh
0: yeah i i would say that you know, the sound overall is more aggressive in the first demo like there's the snare uh hits are much brighter you know there's there's sort mm-hmm. of a more full Snare sound with more bottom on the uh, the loader, the John the, the yeah. Margin Walker sessions. There's, yeah. I feel the same way, kind of about the sound of Ian's guitar. It's so it's like so sharp in the first demo. It's like like sort of like laser like uh, in its tone, and I think it's a it's sort of darker and rounder in the Margin Walker sessions version. Right, but uh, at the same time, Ian has become clearly more proficient at playing it. It's he's getting that like trademark ian MacKay, very powerful very accurate picking hand thing going on
1: right and what is funny about the uh the you know what would what we could consider kind of the official studio version you know for for all intents and purposes like that that margin walking session one i mean that that it's like i was listening to it and the first thing that struck me was it was clear that like they were exhausted because they're not particularly tight on that, like, recording, um, with that, uh, like, it's, it's a little sloppy in that first part. I was, uh, I was a little surprised, like, to hear at points just, like, I was like, oh, yeah, like, this sounds, because, I mean, that's, like, a very, uh, that was, like, a contentious, uh, and they, they were exhausted, and, like, they were definitely not happy with, with the, the full results of, of what they were, were doing, so I mean, I can understand why they, like, got through that, and they went... Yeah, I don't think we're gonna be putting that on the uh, on on the you know the <laughs> album or eventually or even the EP being like, yeah, we're gonna pare this down. I don't yeah. I don't I don't think this one. Um yeah, just purely from a playing uh perspective, I don't think it's as um I don't think it's as good as as the the demo. I think they're they're playing as crisper on the demo. However, um you know, like if we're gonna talk structure, you know, you've got that that kind of verse uh which is just that stop start, you know, dun dun, 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 dun which which by uh, the way
0: by the way I hope this doesn't ruin it for anybody but does that remind you of whip it by devo uh let me think about it like try to sing whip it over that it's perfect to me it's like it's so much like that <laughs>
1: yeah you know I mean there could be a little bit of that I was just thinking about yeah it is definitely not nearly as like willfully nerdy but there is that <laughs> like but there's that jerkiness uh,
0: that that kind of reminds mm -hmm. me of that and and it's like yeah it's for the first you know half of the bar it's sort of jerky and then the second half there's there's no riff at all and it's just the drums keeping time so i guess in that way it reminds me of that
1: and then you i guess you have what would be considered like a like the kind of the the chorus um you know it's definitely a little bit more anthemic when they actually say you know um like what is that word and uh geek you know did like uh, comes in doing backing vocals um and that you know just kind of opens it up a little bit more and it's got that kind of especially when he goes up high to like the octaves up high that's like a very signature like kind of early uh uh like Fugazi like Ian like guitar move to be like you know okay this is like we're playing like you know the chords is very powerful and then I'm going to go up high right. uh for you know, to kind of slide around um yeah that so like you know you've got those, those kind of two sections and then where it gets interesting i guess um is when it finally gets into that like really slowed down middle section yes uh which which on the first demo
0: is so dubby it's so
1: it it's so dubby like (laughs) without the, the only thing that i was surprised at was that given how reverberated and spacious it is that at no point they didn't say you know we need a little bit of uh we need a little bit of delay on here like a couple of those snare hits should have that you know <laughs> like get that get that double uh, effect but yeah no they it is like it is very very dub on that that demo recording um and
0: to me it's it almost verges on parody so i'm sort of glad they they didn't maybe do the delay on the on the snare um yeah there are some other elements like somebody at some point is going like, with their mouth. Yeah. And I'm like... Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A little bit goofy.
1: It, it is, like, it. it's kind of like... It starts to... When I was listening to it uh, just recently, it was starting to kind of, like, bring in that, like... Uh, well, actually, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself because I do want to just, like... That, that version is very, very dubby. Um, and it has an interesting, like, Ian does, a, like, a vocalization that is very very different than anything else that he ever did and i mean he loves to like really like kind of do some some like really interesting things with his voice um you know he's not afraid to like kind of like get ugly or like let the pitch kind of go where it may but when he goes like and he lets he gets very nasally and almost like kind of Brit punk yeah. when he says like that and it it's all like it's all nasal cavity and I was like that he he must have done that and went then they all went yeah don't we shouldn't ever do that again <laughs> uh,
0: um, and it, there's it, also things like like somebody is hissing or something with like oh, echo yeah. on the voice and that that sort of starts that's way before the dub section like that's right up front right but they're they're just touches like that that are like wow that's I mean, if you're coming from listening to the rest of the Fugazi catalog, it's, like, such a different choice. And I was really, I was listening to this, and my, I think the, the most overwhelming thought that I had was, like, I, I feel like it signifies a, an entirely different direction that Fugazi could have gone. Like, they they turned into one thing, but they could have, I feel like they could have been sort of the DC punk, like, goofy party band almost like if they had followed this sort of direction it's Mm -hmm. like it's so um like not only the the music but just sort of the playful sarcastic taunting nature of the lyrics right oh
1: yeah yeah the way that it's uh the way especially the way that the um the the 88 version uh has that uh like the part about like mom and dad, you know. Yeah. Life has got me down. Like it's very like yeah. It, it when it, the, the and I think that kind of goes hand in hand with like kind of the the, the message of, of the of the song. Um, but there is a an interesting thing, and and it's it was kind of tough to pick out. I definitely had to listen with headphones on the eighty eight version when it got into that middle section. Um, it, you can hear. Gee playing clarinet mixed I was, low.
0: Yeah, I was wondering what do you,
1: you think that is clarinet? Because I, oh, I
0: it's definitely it's definitely clarinet because he because
1: okay. he played clarinet on version. Um, yeah, but that was so much probably, later.
0: I was like, was he was he doing that at the time? Um, so, yeah, yeah, that,
1: that's what I was really surprised because it's like you know I know that he busted it out live um, a couple of times, like in the, in the like in, in, instrument, there's like shots of him playing it. And then like what it's on uh version very prominently, but then also like, there's a little bit of it in floating boy. Uh but I mean, this is back in 88 and like there's yeah. clarinet and, and it's not as though. And, and I think it, I mean like that, that I, I don't think that it, it, you know, they would have gotten somebody else to do it considering. So I was really, I was, I was like, wow. Like, you know, Guy was, was already there kind of integrating some some pretty forward-thinking, like, uh, ideas even then. Yeah. But considering that nobody heard, you know, nobody outside of, like, kind of the band and, it's like, their inner circle would have even been able to hear the stuff until, you know, 2003. Yeah. So it, it's kind of like, chronologically, yes, it may have been the first appearance, but dude, nobody knew about it. it and you a, know, it was, it was in the vault.
0: Yeah, an- another difference in that section that i think signifies something similar is it like it sounds much less dubby it is not completely bathed in reverb this time and instead Mm -hmm. of like going into this like super reverb well there's like radio noise in the background this like Mm -hmm. weird little radio chatter which like come on they were doing that on the argument so right it's that's that became something like the direction that they leaned into more and away from the like being like the the dub worshiping dude even though they they still did worship dub music like they just it didn't come out in their music uh as it turns out as much
1: right yeah yeah and that's actually probably for the best because I mean I think that like that that whole trend um ultimately I don't think that like I think it, it it became very much like a signifier of kind of that that time in dc like that that late 80s period where kind of everybody was were like dub freaks and you know like kind of had those those elements uh in in some way shape or form so it it, it you know it's, it's not that they necessarily knew but you know i guess it is a bit of a, a sign of um of how forward-thinking they were and like how like how creatively restless you know that yeah. they're like okay well if we're we're doing this song again we're not going to do it like we did it like, even a year ago, like, we're already thinking ahead and, like, on to the next thing. So, like, how can we approach this with, like, a completely kind of fresh set of ideas, even if, like, structurally, it's all still the same, more or less. You know, that part still kind of is what it is, um, but all of the little background, like, uh, right. like the texture is, is totally different. Uh, and structurally, there are a little bit that, like, the um, that
0: doing that kind of big anthemic like descending riff um yeah what i was thinking about that mainly is even though basically what ian plays is the same on each version in the the first demo version it sounds like it's a guitar solo probably mainly because there's tons of reverb (laughs) but (laughs) but in the other version it does not sound like he's playing a guitar solo it sounds like he's playing a riff
1: and yeah um and the the arrangement is different too um but yeah and and it it and i wonder if um and there i only listened to that i could really only find without i didn't go and like um like download any of the um like the the shows uh from the archive but i was like looking on youtube and i did see uh it might jeez. oh uh you said that they that, that, as far as you knew, the last time they played it was in November of 88, right? That's what I...
0: Uh, yeah, that's the last I can see on the what, Fugazi what Live Series you, website. What did you
1: put down like what was it 1120 i think was cuz i actually went and like did the same thing i kind of like mapped out like when they were playing at least to the best of what was documented yeah november um,
0: 20th 88 in torino yeah
1: there is a there's a live show of them in france 2 days later that's on youtube um oh, and ho. they do it as an yeah it's the 22nd they do it as an encore and there's even like a like there's like a fight in the audience like at the beginning of it <laughs> uh so very classic fugazi uh and they have to like break it up and and kind of stop and then get back into it um but it's very much like it it's uh like what it what it had wound up being on on Margin Walker um with that whole like once that that comes that that one part comes in instead of it just being like kind of that same um kind of groove but with that that descending line, like everything really breaks into something a little more up tempo and like more aggressive. Uh. Yeah. But that I that kinda leads into like I think one of the big issues like with the song structurally is that like it's very disconnected and it's like four between the two versions, you know, like you're four and a half minutes long about um and like it it just it needs editing. It there's Like they do kind of, they give you too much of all of
0: it. (laughs) Right. Um, And and they sort of, to an extent, they do that between the two studio versions. All in all, the Margin Walker version was tighter, but really it's only 20 seconds shorter than the first demo version.
1: Yeah. Which, you know, for, again, like for Fugazi's song of that period, like, you know, I mean, unless you're, you're dealing with, uh, you know, some of the, the, like the kind of the more epic songs, like that's, that's, pretty long and just considering like the the and then this might be a good time to to move into the like kind of the lyrics i mean considering the the lyrics
0: uh the lyrical content of the song like it's pretty threadbare um it is yeah before we move totally into the lyrics let me just say one more thing about the guitar playing on the first demo version because it ends with like not only does it have that uh quote unquote solo from Ian um mm. or at least something that sounds like it it ends with a little sort of noodly guitar part like he's playing yeah. these three chromatic chords that are going up a couple of times and yeah. yeah it ends on uh, a chord that i believe to be e7 sharp 9 which is the hendrix chord
1: yeah yeah <laughs> he's got a like a nice little nice little dominant
0: seventh chord i was like yeah this is this is a little little R&B
1: flavor, a little <laughs> It sounds flavor very
0: unfugazi um it's even fair, though yeah even though Ian's on record is really loving Jimi Hendrix, but I was like, whoa. Yeah, that was
1: very like it is very Hendrix. The chromatic part of it is very Hendrixy. Uh and and you know, and I guess it's also this is something else that that I com- by I suppose it's um really kind of exposes that like there's not really much to say about brendan and and joe on that song like there's a little part like where joe does like a little kind of walking line like yeah that funky little walk down yeah yeah but otherwise there's really not much going on in the rhythm section um which is, you know, it's it's not every song. I mean, and I think that's one of those things that is like very important about Fugazi was that it was four equals treating every song, um, like you know everybody kind of had an equal role, and everybody understood that you needed to like what you're doing needs to serve the needs of the song, not necessarily the the needs of your ego. So, so laying back and keeping things simple wasn't. An issue, you know. It wasn't a situation where somebody felt the need to kind of like, well, I need to do more here, or I need to be like, I, I you know, oh, this section I'm not doing anything. Like, I, well, oh, you know, I, I need to be playing kind of constantly at all times. So, you know. But that being said, like, could would the song be a little bit better if there were a little bit more happening with the rhythm section? Like, even in that that middle section where kind of, they get a little bit of a chance to, to spread out a little bit. Um, it's still pretty straightforward. Like they're still just kind of holding a groove and the groove, like the melody, it's just doubling like Ian's guitar, you know, it, it it's,
0: it's just kind
1: of perfunctory.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I do think Brendan is doing some really nice, accurate, fancy hi-hat work. Um, mm-hmm. But like, it, yeah, it's, it's not it's not the kind of thing that blows your mind it's like it's like wow that's a really good solid drummer but nothing right. like innovative i guess
1: right yeah yeah and then you know and again it's like if it's if um by and large like it, it in the other sections of the song that first section you know it's it's kind of like hey it 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 does what it needs to do like it's really intense and driving um and kind of keeps the energy level up but then you know as it i, I just feel like if this was something that they had kept playing um, that they really would have stretched out on that, you know? And that's what I was curious. I I couldn't find anything. And unfortunately with a title, like the word uh, <laughs> you don't uh, without going through like at literally like every uh, like available date, um, which I was not uh, about to do. I was like, I wonder if they, they kept, they, they ever broke it back out again um, later on. But it looked like, yeah, they just went, okay, like, we played it for a year, and, like, we're, we're, we're good. Yeah. But this was also a period, too, where, you know, I was listening to, a, like, a different interview with Guy on, um, like, on uh, the End on End podcast. Uh, and he was talking about this period of time and, like, how songs were just coming fast and heavy, right. you know? I mean, it was just, like, this is, a like, a super fertile time for them, so... You know, it's like if it having played it so much, you know, getting to that point of just being like, yeah, it's just not really we we're not feeling it anymore. And then, you know, like recording it. And I wonder if kind of a subpar recording was kind of that final nail in the coffin of being like, well, we've got it recorded. It's in the bag like it's there. None of us really feel like we want to play it anymore. Yeah. Um. When you've got so many other things, I mean, when, once you get through eighty-eight and you get to eighty-nine, and then you see all of the new stuff that like starts getting introduced into the set. Yeah, like, especially it's as G like, plays like, yeah.
0: more of a role in being a creative force.
1: Right. Yeah. This this song just kind of was like, you know, it it served its its purpose. Um. You know, and 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 clearly was like. It, you know i i remember mark Anderson like mentioning it at one point, you know, talking about like a great early song, you know, um, but it definitely is something that like only like real like fugazi old heads like would have remembered for quite some time um and the the, the rest of us like the large the public at large just wouldn't have have known um but yeah, yeah, so I just it's like one of those things it's like um there's there's stuff to like, but then there's so much more where it's like wow, like if the band had pulled a furniture on it. Like what would have happened (laughs) had they came at it with fresh ears? Um, Because yeah, like there's, there's things that are pointing the way forward. They were clearly wanting to do something um, that they weren't doing in some of the other songs. Um, But it was kind of like they were reaching too far and, and doing too much. And it was like, you know, we did this for, for four minutes. It feels like
0: way longer and in a way doing too little because like the the Fugazi catalog on record is not without interesting breakdowns but mm-hmm. there there's more content in there it's not like it's not usually something with a lot of space um, where where they just sort of get loose you know yeah. <laughs> it's it's some it's often more intense in a different way yeah. so yeah i like I feel like if they had pulled a furniture on it, they might have sort of excised that breakdown part, or or come back in a very different form.
1: Right? They they kind of learned a little bit better editing, uh, at at that point. And I mean, and I think like you know, I, I, as a as a musician yourself, and you know, as someone who also you know continues to to play music, and like you know, you write songs and in your early days, especially when you're kind of establishing like the sound of a band, the identity of a band, you know, certain things like they serve a, a, like a purpose and they meet a need. But as the band grows, like you, you do get to that point where you kind of look back and be like, this is not reflective, like of who we are anymore. Um, and it's just like, yeah, some of those early songs can easily get like, you know, fall by the wayside. And, and, And it just seems like, you know, comparing the two versions, um, you can really kind of see why like this song uh unlike some of the other ones uh just just kind of ended up like just just yeah fading into obscurity um like it, but but again that being said it, it, it's still a fascinating document any one of these songs, any one of the, these, these kind of like, um, like obscure and rare songs are fascinating for, for different reasons. Um, just because like, even at the very earliest stage, um, they were like open to like some, some pretty like structural and conceptual experimentation. Do uh, you know? And I mean, it would take a lot more time for it to kind of come full flower, you know, especially considering, like, if you if you take that little snippet from the Margin Walker session, and it's like they wouldn't even do anything like that until, like, seven years later, you know, they're right. doing, like, Red Medicine. They still had they still had to record three full lengths before they were like ah, you know, maybe we should, like, get a little dubby, like, <laughs> maybe you should pick out your clarinet um, right. but, you know, let's really play with the studio, so it, you know, it, it's just like um yeah i think that again that's a testament to like how like febrile and like uh just their minds uh were even then of just being like new sounds like which is new sounds we want to we want to always be like kind of like feeling like we're moving forward creatively um even if like by and large you know the song was certainly a relic
0: yeah well Let's talk a little about how the lyrics play into that, too, and just because you mentioned the title and how hard it is to search for it, I've got to give a <laughs> shout-out, uh, just as with I'm So Tired, same title as a song by the Beatles, which is always yeah. ballsy. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely,
1: and um, wonder how how deliberate uh, it may have been, because they, it's not as though they didn't know that right. <laughs> that song existed. <laughs> uh and yeah yeah right yeah i mean lyrically uh you know it's of a it's of a piece like it's it's of that same um spate of early uh like ian songs it's it's very much kind of like personal responsibility um you know kind of that like tough love uh you know it 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 is like uh i didn't i mean basically i was like i'm not going to bother memorizing uh like the words because it's essentially uh you know a couple of like little stanzas um you know obviously like they're little pieces that you want to like interject i was just thinking about it more overall the overall like message of you know uh taking that personal responsibility and being like hey you know like uh like you see a reflection like you know your reflection uh, like it, it, if you don't like what you do, the word is change. You know, it's that whole thing of like, it's, it's very, very early Fugazi of like, you don't like who you are. You don't like the world around you. Like change. Um, which, you know, I, it's kind of funny. I was thinking about it, uh, as unfortunately as I think so happens so often, um, something that, is at the time like kind of positive and affirmative, but also in that that Ian way, like it is kind of a good swift kick in the ass as well. Like it's like, hey, no time for belly aching. Like you know, if if uh, there are aspects of your life or your person that you don't care for, like you have it within you to to make a change. You know, you like things can be different. Um, you know, and it's a bit loaded now in hindsight, but the thing that kind of struck me. Is that, you know, you you have this thing that like is kind of coming uh, from this very like leftist, like very punk perspective, but over the t- over time, this kind of thing has has been twisted and changed and co-opted, and so now, like the thing that made made it, uh, the thought of it is that that kind of trite, tired, uh, you don't like your job, get a new one, <laughs> you know, where it's like a it, change is not
0: that easy. Yeah, um it is a little bit of a privileged uh position, sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it and it has been, you know, now it's become that thing where it's like now it's not it's not, you know, like punks telling punks like, "Hey, you don't like, you know, what's happening?" And that's why it makes me think of like again that, that the time period that it would have been written in was that period of time where like everybody, you know, from the older like guard of of uh like DC hardcore were just tired of like what the scene had become and they wanted something more you know so it feels like that song is kind of born out of that frustration um you know and it's there and uh, you know it also kind of makes like a nice like bookend with waiting room because it's also like him being like you know like i'm ready for something to happen i don't want to be sitting on the sidelines Absolutely. and then this is also like we need change something needs to change um but it's just funny that like you know here's here's this thing that is like it it is um at its core like it is you know it is a, a positive message but it it's now like, one of those things that, like, gets thrown in, in, in people's faces uh, and is almost a way now of kind of minimizing the desire for change. Oh, you want, to, you want to make a change? And it's, like, concern trolling of being, like, oh, yeah, no, we we, 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 we need to make a change, but we need to consider, like, this, this. How are we going to pay for it? <laughs> you know, which is a, a repeated refrain. Um, so, yeah, it was just... There is there is a, a little bit of when I have to acknowledge that there is a little bit of of privilege in there, which I'm sure that like you know should he and I was looking for an interview I I couldn't find anything uh, where he actually talked about you know maybe it was the first demo or some of the songs, because um, I was curious to see like what like a you know a middle aged Ian Mackay's take on something like that would be now.
0: Well, that's you know? that's kind of what I was gonna say. Is to be fair, maybe it's not so much that times have changed or the political situation, but that we have changed. And in getting older, the like the idea that you can just change your life seems privileged to us, uh, men of a certain mm-hmm. age, uh, because you know sometimes we have families to support. Sometimes we're looking ahead to retirement and want to feel secure in that. So it 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 becomes less and less possible the older you get. And and you sort of feel like, well, that's fine for you, young Ian McKay. You can change, but right. uh, I I might not be able to. And, you know, right. part of that is yeah. is fear, maybe. But, yeah, I I think in a way some of the audiences may be aged out of being as receptive to that kind of thing.
1: Oh, yeah. I think that there's definitely that part of it. And, I mean, there is the other part of of, you know, like it is someone who, like, had the benefit of, of having, you know, like a, you know, relatively financially stable, like, you know, like middle class, like upbringing with options that weren't necessarily going to be available to like other people, um, which doesn't, you know, I mean like that it, it doesn't diminish it. It just kind of contextualizes it a little bit more yeah. that like, I, you know, and it's honestly one of those things too, that like, I realistically, like I, I don't feel like, they did much of an analog kind of along that same line of just that kind of broad um that broad sense um as time went on and i i wonder if it was a situation too um you know that like there were people who were kind of ready to to do a little bit of challenging on that after a certain point and and you know curious if if that also kind of played into it that like as they even within that year like as kind of like maybe perhaps as they got out and you know we're seeing more of the world and interacting with more people because they were touring pretty heavily that like if um if it started to kind of feel a little bit different you know yeah. like in terms of like the message itself if if they went like yeah you know maybe like eh, maybe lyrically like this isn't we're not feeling this to the same degree that we did because maybe it worked for the specific people that he was, like, writing it for, you know? Like, because it seems, like, very uh rooted in that time period um and that place. But getting, like, you know, getting out into the larger world, like, again, maybe it, it complicated things a little bit more, and it just kind of was like, uh, this seems maybe a bit cliche. But it seems a little little more trite.
0: And maybe also it's it's that Ian found more insightful and more more interesting ways of saying something similar. Um, yeah. You mentioned waiting room. I think that's true. I think there's similar sentiments expressed in furniture. Something we haven't brought up is bad mouth, where mm. that's a song that concerns change, but the perspective there is, well, uh, think you have changed, actually, and now that you are different, you can't be what you were, so stop being fixated on that and and start living the change that you have made or that has happened to you. And right. find a place within that, which is, I think, there's so much more to that message. Uh, whereas right. that this is uh, the word seems very surface level about it, and it doesn't inspire that much deep thought. No,
1: yeah. If the if the if it is, uh, you know, and Ian was more like given to like making like these kind of declamatory like statements, you know, he definitely wanted to have like more of a message, but when you spell it out like as obviously as you don't like what you do, like the word is change, yeah. um that that seems to harken back more towards like the way he was thinking in like embrace or in even in minor threat of just like I'm just spelling it out to you, you know, um as opposed yeah. to like you know, like I, I, I'm trying to think if there was, if, if I'm imagining, maybe I'm just imagining this or something. But you know, the idea of like, Fugazi will, you know, like they would with their words, um, you know, kind of everything. They would cook you a meal, but it was your choice whether or not you wanted to to eat it. You know, like it was like, hey, everything's here, and we'll serve it to you. But like this is, th- like, you know, you can let it, you can, you can let it go cold on the plate. But like this feels a little more like force feeding.
0: Uh huh. And, you know and you know speaking also of minor threat and embrace i always it's it's a sort of a mantra with me and i have to remind myself sometimes that i think a lot of the time a song isn't a manifesto and mm-hmm. you can you can look at this song that way but you can also look at it as ian writing about his own subjective personal experience he wasn't satisfied with his situation he wanted to to change himself uh start playing different people start playing new kinds of music and I mean hell the the music in the first demo of this really reflects that so yeah it's like yeah you have you have witnessed uh or you are witnessing Ian Mackay in a cocoon and this is what is developing and he's he's changing and that's what's on his mind
1: yeah and and, and you know and it's not to be like entirely like derisive there the tone of it as you know you mentioned before like it's like a pretty playful like song it is not nearly as at least the first part of it it's not nearly as like dour um as like they 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 could get um about things like it does seem a little bit more like like instead of being like a lot of finger pointing, it's more like kind of like a like a nudge in the ribs at points, you know, where it's just kinda like, hey, you know, hm. Mm. Um and it, it does seem like his delivery, his vocal delivery, um, the like betrays that. Like it is not nearly as like he's not he's not barking it out. Like it has some some like humorous uh aspects to it. Uh so like it, it does kind of soften that a little bit more that um, you know, but even even the way it is like everything kind of comes back to it takes until that that uh that like dubby like just kind of the halftime section um before they even say the word like they say the change you know everything is just what was that word what was that word again uh (laughs) what was that word um or the word is you know like so it it even then is kind of that that thing of like you know hey like you know somebody's kind of bitching about things and it's just like hey you know like up, upstairs here you know what you need to do so like much like with with uh like bad mouth that uh it, it's like hey you know you, you you can change there's no point in focusing on the past there's no point on focusing on these um these negative aspects if you have it within you to like to make the change that you need to make to like be in a a better place could he have said it in a in a better way with a little bit more nuance like oh definitely (laughs) you know but there there is like i mean just like with anything there's there's a kernel pointing the way towards like greater things in the future
0: um speaking of the the way of coming at it with like Asking the question, what was that word again? As if he's sort of uh, playing dumb like he's, he's forgetting it or sort of like taunting the listener as if the listener has forgotten it. Um, I, I got to say, and I, I don't know if this will ring a bell with you, but it reminds me of on Sesame Street, something uh, like that. I think they did in the 70s at first. They sang this song called What's the Name of That Song? And it went like, la-da-da-da-da, la da 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 what's the name of that song? And the whole thing is like they're trying to remember the name of a song that has like a certain melody and it kind of went like this and that. Um, and they're, they're singing the song itself as they're trying to remember what it's called. So uh, <laughs> that just popped into my mind as a little tangent to go yeah. on.
1: Yeah, no, actually I for having been exposed to a lot of uh 70 Sesame Street, that one has not stuck in my mind. Um so I don't remember the name of that song unfortunately.
0: I'll I'll put it in the show notes and <laughs> yeah. listeners can jam out to it. <laughs> it's kind of catchy. Yeah. I must say I'm, you know, I I have a 2-year-old so listening to watching lots of vintage Sesame Street <laughs> You know, you know how it goes. G- yeah. Which coincidentally oh, yeah, no. that's that's also how I got sick. So there's a lesson uh, oh, to people oh, out there. Oh. If you have a kid, yep, you're going to yep. get sick and you're going to watch Sesame Street. So
1: Oh, I thought it was the other way around. I thought that you were like watching vintage Sesame Street and somehow <laughs> watching that no, no, managed no, no. to get you sick in here. Say listeners, listeners, please vintage episodes watch at your own risk. Um
0: uh, got avian flu from big bird. Bastard. Right, they're just
1: they're just uh they're storing everything in like very unsafe conditions, and so it's just been right. you know, yeah. able to fester for like forty
0: years. Well, wanna go to ratings? Yeah,
1: we might as well.
0: Okay. Well, you know the drill then. Leon Pierce, out of five stars, but only in the context of the whole Fugazi catalog, do you think you could assign a rating to the word? i i've been thinking about
1: this um quite a bit because this one's like it's not i i don't i I would be hard pressed i'm sure that with every fugazi song there was someone there who would be like there's got to be someone who's like yes this this one favorite so it's got to be somebody's five five star um but do I feel that it is, like, a a very, like, low on the scale? Like, is this, like, a, like, I wouldn't think it's a one-star or a a two-star. I mean, I feel like it was important to them at a point um, because it wouldn't have played it in, like, these prominent positions. Um, It would have just been something that was buried in the middle of the set, you know, and kind of energy was up. But instead they were like, no, 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 we're going to save this to, like, the end you know or we're gonna like get it like we're gonna play this to the end and then like transition into glue man you know it's like so there were there were deliberate choices on their part but like is it a song that like I want to go back to and hear like you know I'm like no so I think I think I need to kind of say hmm I think for anybody who has an interest in the the band um we'll split the difference and I think like I think a 2.5 because it's like it's a it's an important curio. I mean anything that they recorded in the studio uh is worth giving a listen. But um yeah, I mean it's it's it there's a reason it didn't end up on the first EP. There's a reason uh it didn't end up on Margin Walker. <laughs> You know, so um, I would I don't want to say it's inessential, but it is certainly um, very much of a time and place that they very quickly outgrew.
0: Yeah, that's the thing with I think Fugazi almost always made really solid decisions about what they ended up putting on the albums. You know, there are some bands where it's like, oh, it's insane that that was a demo that got cut and they Never released it on an album. Like, what a terrible decision! But Fugazi's not one of those bands, and I think for me, the ones that got left on the cutting room floor, generally, they made the right call. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I I feel that about this. Um, I th- the phrase that really came to mind was like, "empty calories." It's like it's sort of a fun one to listen to, but just when it comes to both the music and the lyrics, there's not a lot there. It's like it. It's mainly interesting to talk to, about in relation to the Fugazi that we know that they became. Uh, so yeah, if I'm really trying to think about the song per se, I'm gonna do one and a half stars. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. Yeah, no, it it is. Th-
1: Fugazi are like you had said. I mean, there there were a group of guys that um, that understood like their their songs as a as a- kind of as a canon right like that um that they weren't content to just be like we have a formula, and we just like crank songs out to a formula um you know I, like as good as that formula can be right I mean like the Ramones made an entire career out of like pretty much like the same approach right. um but like they 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 were like their, their quality assurance, like, was very, very high. Which yeah. is, you know, that's why, like, they, uh, an outtake, of, like, a, a genuine studio outtake from them is, like, a very rare thing and, and kind of at least should be valued for that because they weren't the type of, of people to go into a studio and to be like, yeah, we're just going to lay a whole bunch of stuff down, we're going to write in the studio. Like, they knew what they were doing. Yeah. So for them to, to make a decision to be like, yeah, we recorded this, but then we decided... It's not going to see like a a release, you know, again, for anybody who's like an aficionado of the band, like that's an interesting kind of rabbit hole to go down. Um,
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of going down that rabbit hole, let me consult the Alphabetical Fugazi Facebook page and see. For some reason, I forgot to put this in my notes uh, to copy them down. So I'll have to navigate over there now and Ah. see what the listeners said. Uh, I, I don't feel like we got a lot of comments. I feel like it's very possible that people don't know. Maybe a lot of people haven't even listened to this one, but I I would encourage people to uh, go ahead and, and take a listen, even though we've both given it sort of low ratings, uh, as you said. Totally yeah. worth listening to. Um, <clears throat> yeah, um, Thomas Harding says, anyone who likes the demo-only tracks such as the word turn off your guns and indefensive humans would do well to listen to the bay area outfit fuel also these tracks always remind me of swizz who are now seemingly forgotten by many but were hugely influential at the time i think it's weird we talk about all the bands fugazi influenced but rarely about bands that influenced fugazi as if the cross-pollination was only a one-way process uh good comment yeah i i don't really know swizz so um yeah
1: yeah i mean I'm a I'm a, like, a
0: really big blue tip
1: fan, um, but I went back to like to listen to Swizz, and I was like, it's okay, and and I mean even like uh, Nathan Larson who was in Shudder to Think, like in their like Pony Express record, like their their second like their major label period, like he was like in in Swizz, so it's like there there's some people in there that I really really like, but they made music that I was like, this is okay, like it really wasn't, but. You're right. I mean, he's right. The, the no band is an island, and and there hasn't really been a lot of of talk beyond kind of the greats, right? Like that that influenced Fugazi. But I mean, I'm sure as as creative as they were, like you can't help but have open ears to like things around you, even if it's not like they're not directly copying sounds. Like they're they're definitely like picking up on vibes. You know? Yeah, definitely.
0: Uh, yeah. Also. Gonzalo Leiva Bastias says, does this song feature the only known guitar solo from Ian? And uh, Bradford Goodwin says, for the Beatles, it was love. For Fugazi, it's change. A word they live by in this shape-shifting song feels like an anthology of past, present, and future musical styles, both for the individual members and the band as a unit. I hear echoes of embrace in Ian's vocals and harbingers of songs like Styrofoam, Greed, and K-Y-E-O in the guitar riffs. While Gee gives his best flavor-flave hype man and flexes the oral percussion skills he later used to mimic hi-hats in Waiting Room, for me the song hmm? is not greater than the sum of its parts, but its parts are great, and this band became the greatest, so it merits repeated listens. Well said, as always, Bradford. Very. <laughs> uh, well, there you have it. That's uh, all the listener comments that we had. So I'm going to move on to plugs. Never mind what's Leon. It's been great to have you on the show. You've really spoken about Fugazi with the sort of energy and brio that uh, makes it clear to everyone that you're a big fan. It was great to have you. Do you have anything that you'd like to uh, point uh, our listeners to in terms of just whatever projects you've done?
1: Yeah, Um, yeah. I suppose. I mean, uh, like, I've been slowly but surely uh, working on um, a lot of solo material um you know and it's, it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a documentation process uh you know things are kind of still in the the demo stage um but uh, i yeah, just basically just post them up to soundcloud eventually you know once the kind of the covid craziness continues to ebb fingers crossed um i will get around to like actually finishing things up but there is just a SoundCloud. It's um, it's just called uh, Pierce Arrow. I think it's SoundCloud.com. Pierce Arrow is that what it is. Like I very bad <laughs> at uh, self promotion. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's exactly like there's there's a, a bunch of of demos, um, uh, instrumental. At this point, I'm doing like a collaboration uh, well, with a uh, uh, like uh, somebody as well. Like kind of trying to do some some separate things. But they're posted up there as well. Uh, that's a little bit more like shoegazy stuff uh dream poppy stuff but i've been doing more uh just kind of like brainy uh guitar uh explorations um so yeah i mean that's that's pretty much it's still trying to to play music but you know it's a, it's a very interesting time to want to like get a project going
0: because you know uh yeah totally. like it's 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 a little little unpredictable let's say and also, uh, on a cursory search, I could not find it. So, if you come across that video again of possibly the last time Fugazi played the word in France, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, I'll put that in the show yeah. notes as well. Interesting to yeah, to see that. I will definitely.
1: Yeah, I say I made sure to save it
0: because I was like, I can't find anything else. This yeah. is
1: this is pretty interesting, and it's just a like a a fun show <laughs> to watch. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'll send that over.
0: Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, fun shows that. The one that I mentioned, the last one in the Fugazi live series archive, at least when they play the song, it gets to the breakdown, and uh, the the one in Torino it gets to the breakdown, uh, and Ian is like, "I had my dick pulled by a woman." This one goes out to her, and then he <laughs> proceeds to sort of lambaste her for you know sexually molesting him, uh, and uh, so, so that's a that's an interesting little. Uh, it's it's it also shows another way the song can be used to, to like point out a particular person and be like listen you should change
1: yeah right exactly you know <laughs> I mean especially considering uh you know the the entire uh, the fact that there were people who like went to Fugazi shows simply to try and like rile up Ian <laughs> you know, that is that it would again in an alternate some alternate universe where they continued to play that song that was. You know, yeah. that was the, their call out song, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, that would rile me up. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, uh again, great having you, Leon. Nice to talk to you today. And yeah. uh I'm we we got through it. We're at the end. Uh I'm yeah. I'm you know yeah, what yeah, I'm so- I'm even feeling a little better than I did when we started this. I my throat is not as sore. I think I'm gonna be able to swallow and I go to eat dinner after this. So uh I, I'm looking you know, I'm optimistic. Here we go.
1: I, I am, uh, I'm very flattered that, uh, our conversation could, could be so good, uh, for your health, but it's, it's been a pleasure, uh, you know, like any opportunity, you know, to talk about, uh, Fugazi, uh, is, is an opportunity that, that, you know, one I think should, should take, yeah. uh, even, even if it is, uh, something that is, uh, you know, like a little, little out of like most everybody's, uh, wheelhouse. Yeah, totally. You know?
0: Yeah. Answer the phone guys. Um, <laughs> uh, well yeah that's awesome and uh Leon if you want to reach me again uh same as the listeners out there you can always reach me at fugazi a to z at gmail.com and the facebook group again is just called the alphabetical fugazi join up and i hope you'll join me for the next episode when we'll be discussing turn off your guns until then keep your eyes open